Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Genesis 37. We're going to start in verse 3. And uh, we've looked at favor in your field the last couple weeks. And if you missed, especially the first one, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because we kind of laid a foundation for that. And I believe that God has a field for you and I. He has a place of purpose and calling. And every single person alive, every person in this room has a purpose from God, has a dream from God, has something that God has purpose for you even before you were born. God had a plan. God had something he desired for you to know and walk in. And it begins with knowing him. Our, all of us have a purpose to know and love Jesus, and then from there to make a difference in the world. And how that walks out many times looks like us finding our field, the place where God pours out his favor, where he gives us our, our God-given eternal purpose and assignment to make a difference in the world, a difference that only you can make. There's unique gifts and purpose in your life that only you bring to the world, and, and God wants us to discover that and awaken to that. And in Genesis 3, we're going to start by looking at the story of Joseph. I I referred to it a couple weeks ago, but I want you to see this. It says in Genesis 37.3 that Israel, his father, Joseph's father, who's also known age, and also he made him a tunic of many colors, a coat of many colors. This garment represents, it's a physical representation of the great love and favor that this father has for his son. Now, of course, this is an imperfect expression because, you know, Israel kind of has one kid out of all of his kids that he likes more than the others or loves more. And, but I would just want to tell you that your heavenly father is not an imperfect father, but a perfect father. And he loves you with a perfect love. And when he loves you and I, he loves all of us so much, more than we could ever even fathom. And here's what he does. He gives to his son, Israel gives to his son, a garment that represents his favor, his worth, his identity, that when people see it, they know that he is a favored son. And we saw the first week how one of the Hebrew words for favor means to encamp with, to means to join together with. It means that God's favor begins with knowing God, begins with walking with God. Your identity and worth and value doesn't come from how much money you make or what address you live at. It comes from whose you are, that God who loves you that we sang about, that he gives us worth and value and purpose, and we find that in Jesus. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and couldn't speak peaceably to him. You know, if you think your family's messed up, just read the book of Genesis. It's been going on a long time. And so it's okay. So, uh, but Genesis 37 says this in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his fan club, his brothers who already hated him. He, he receives a dream, a promise from God. He actually gets a couple dreams. And these dreams signify his future, his destiny, his inheritance, his purpose, his calling. And in one of these, he sees that he's going to be raised up as a leader, as a ruler even, and that his family will one day bow down to him. And of course, his family's super enthusiastic to hear that dream. And he goes and shares it to his brothers, and they hate him. They resent him even more. See, God gives him a picture of what his field looks like. But it's just a picture. It's just a glimpse. And because he only sees a glimpse, he sees the promise but what he doesn't realize is that field's going to look a lot different. Most of us know Joseph's story. It's going to look like Egypt. One day I'll take over dad's family business. Maybe one day I'll have success here in the promised land. But God's dream looked very different. And don't ever, don't ever try to put a how on how God is going to do it. 
Don't, don't ever, you know, sometimes God will show us a glimpse, a promise. In fact, that's, I've got three very simple points, but it's this, that number one is the promise. We're going to look through this, kind of his journey, and it starts with the promise. And every person has a dream. Every person has a God-given purpose that he awakens in our life. Jesus, when he comes into our life, gives us a home in heaven, but also a purpose right here in the world to make an impact, to reach people, to love people, to, to bring people to Christ to turn the world upside down for Jesus. And, and, and we are called to discover that field. And here, but I, wa- I want us to see this as we look at Joseph's story because the field in the end of the story is going to look much different than it seemed in the dream in the beginning. And what I love about God is while th- our dream goes through a change or our promise goes through a process, that it always ends up better. And we'll see why God's going to do this with Joseph because Joseph's dream wasn't about him. And I want to encourage you today, your purpose isn't even about you. Your purpose is about people that need what you and I have received. And so we're going to look at this. The first is the promise. But, you know, Joseph, he's, he's young, and he's excited, and he goes back home, and he says, hey, guys, I'm, I got a dream to tell you about. And his brothers, rather than celebrate, reject him. And they push him away, and they actually oppose him. In fact, it gets really bad. Not only do they oppose him, but verse 18, it says, when they saw Joseph one day afar off, even before he came close to them, like they can't even listen to this kid anymore. They've had enough. And his own brothers, his own flesh and blood, conspire against him to kill him. And they saw him coming, and one says to another, look, the dreamer's coming. You know, people who've let their dream die will always attack one that still has one. They'll always, they'll always, somebody who's insecure will always attack somebody who's confident in Jesus. Someone who's settled, say, he's the dreamer. They've got a label for him. There's the dreamer. You know, sometimes it's easier for people to label you than get to know you. And, and so they label him because they can manage a label. <laughs> Some people do that with God. Some people do that with the church. Some people do that with God's people. And so they say, the dreamer's coming. Come therefore and let's kill him. Let's cast him into some pit and, and, and say that a wild beast has devoured him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. Can I tell you, this wasn't just about the brothers. It was about an enemy that saw the purpose of God in Joseph's life and said, we're going to see what happens with that dream from God. And you may wonder why you've had some pain and you've had some rejection and, and, and listen, people may have hurt you and done things to you and we've all experienced that. But, but, but the pain is not greater than the promise. And this is so important that we get this because so many people live based on their circumstance, their present reality, or the pain of their past. And that becomes what defines them. I think in this last two years especially, a lot of people have found that their identity has been shaken because their identity was in a lot of things besides God. Their worth and value, their confidence, their faith, their trust has been shaken. The Bible actually tells us that has to happen. Anything we put our trust in other than God has to be shaken because God in his mercy wants us to build our life on the only thing that can't be shaken. And so here's where Joseph is. He goes through a process and it begins with his brothers. One of his brothers talks him out of it, says, no, no, don't kill him. We're going to sell him into slavery. And so verse 23 says, it came to pass when Joseph came to his brothers that they stripped him of his tunic. This is what rejection does. This is what hurt does. This is what people's offense and bitterness and failure and and even shame in our own life. That's what it does. Because sometimes sometimes we don't even have somebody else put us in a pit. We put ourselves in there. 
Anybody else besides me? You, you, you were in a pit of your own making. I've said it before, but I don't even need there to be a devil or other people to mess my life up. I just need to choose my own way without God. Start digging my pit. <laughs> and, and that's where a lot of people end up. But here's what happens. They take his tunic. They strip him of the thing that represents his favor, his identity, and his worth. And circumstances, shame tries to do. Fear tries to do. It tries to tell you you're something other than what God has said you are. And it strips you. And if you let it happen and stay there, you'll let life and circumstance define your identity and worth instead of God. You'll become defined by your condition. In fact, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting how so many times you read even through the Bible and you'll see that people are not even known by their name in their communities. They're known by their issue. There's the woman with the issue of blood. And people are, there's the man with the withered hand. And their identity becomes associated with their problem or their pain instead of what God wants to do. But Jesus shows up and... He's no longer the man with the withered hand, and she's no longer the woman with the issue of blood. And that's what Jesus does. But here's where he finds himself. He's in a pit. They throw him into a waterless, empty pit. There's no life in your pit. There's no, there's no, you know, listen, sometimes, you know, religion does this. Religion comes along and tries to help us come to terms with our pit or even think that, you know, God's the reason why we're in that pit. But here's what I want you to understand. <laughs> the pit is not permanent. It's not where you're meant to be. It's not your destination. Now, here's the thing. Joseph had a dream, and his present circumstance looks completely unlike the dream. And maybe, you, you know, you don't have a word from God about something, but you've prayed something that God put on your heart. You've prayed for your kids. You've prayed for your spouse who's far from God now. You've prayed for your children to come to know Jesus. You've prayed for our city. You've prayed for the nation. You've been praying for things. That, and, and right now, what you've prayed for looks completely opposite of what God had promised you, of what God had put on your heart, of what you cried out to God for. See, it starts with a promise, but then number two, there's the process. There's the process. Genesis 39, jump ahead a couple chapters. We're going to read a couple things today. Genesis 39, it says this, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. They took him from the pit, and you'd think that would mean it got better, but no, it actually got a lot worse for Joseph. But he's taken there, and he's made a slave, and he's taken to the house of a man named Potiphar, who bought him from the Ishmaelites that had taken him captive. And uh, number verse 2, the Lord, here's what I want you to see, the Lord was with Joseph. Stop defining future. Can and will do. I, I feel like this, if I could just, speak to this again, these last two years, I think a lot of people are determining what God can do based on their, what they're feeling, what's gone wrong, what things look like, what their past has been, or what their present circumstances. And I'm telling you, right now, I'm telling you, Joseph had favor in difficult situations. Joseph had favor. Watch this. Here's why, though. The Lord was with him. God's presence is the difference. It's a difference in your family. It's a difference in your job. It's a difference in your business. It's a difference in whatever area that is your field right now. Wherever you're at, God's presence. God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Joseph was in a pit, but God never left. He was rejected by his brothers, but God never rejected him. He was taken and sold into slavery, but God never left him. The Lord was with him, even though his present circumstance wasn't good. And I can just tell you, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. He was in the house of his master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. This, this, is this Egyptian who's a, 
I don't even know the right word. I mean, he's, 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 he's an idolater. He worships idols. He doesn't know God, but he sees that the Lord's with this young man. And God, when he begins to put favor in your life, as, and favor comes from your identity in him, your relationship in him, you're a favored son and daughter of God. And because of that favor, God begins to bless you right in the middle of your pit, right in the middle of your prison. Right in the middle of that place that you go, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm in this job. I don't know why you know, I'm in this family. Nobody's ever said that. But right there in the middle of it, God is with him, and this lost guy recognizes it. In fact, he becomes so aware of it that he made him in charge of everything he had. Watch, it says, the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So God can prosper you right in the middle of an adverse situation. He can prosper you in the middle of inflation in the economy. He can prosper you in the middle of a difficult circumstance. We think, you know, everything has to be good. Everybody has to like me. That's, that's, that's favor. No, no. Favor is when God shows up right in the midst. Light in the dark. Okay. So his master made him, uh, saw that the Lord made all that, that prospered his hand. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Slave, a servant in this man's house. And so this man puts him in charge of everything. See, there's something about a person that can't let go of a God dream. God keeps blessing them even though they don't have natural opportunities in the moment. God keeps blessing them when people reject them. God keeps blessing them when, and, and so right in the middle of this, he gets put in charge. Now, now remember the dream? Ruler, leader. That, that's his calling. But God didn't wait for him to be prospered and blessed until the end of the story. God blessed him right in the middle. Now, now, you know the story. Potiphar's wife, Desperate Housewives of Thebes starts reaching out to David or uh, Joseph in all the wrong ways. And, and so, uh, and, and, and Joseph, sorry, it's day four. Okay. Um, day five, day five. Okay. So, so Joseph, Joseph does something. She, she tries to tempt Joseph. She tries to, you know, come and lie with me. And Joseph runs from the house. He doesn't sit there and try to negotiate, try to figure out, well, how am I going to overcome this? He flees. He, he gets himself out of the place of compromise because, listen, don't sell out your future for something temporary. And he runs, but as he runs, something happens again that just happened in the pit. He gets stripped again. She grabs his garment as he runs out of the house. See, see the enemy will always try to take from you what God has placed on you. And, but he, he, he honors God, but nobody knows it. And so he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. He gets put in prison. So it goes from bad to worse. And now he's put in prison. And you think, man, that's the end of Joseph's story. That's got to be the end. But it's not. Because I want you to see what happens. See, well, let's actually look at the Psalm chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, look at Psalm chapter 1. See, it's the favor of God in spite of and in the midst of adverse situations. Because sometimes your field isn't going to always be good, and sometimes your field is going to have, we looked at opposition last week, and we see what's happening with Joseph. But right in the middle of this, he has favor. God blesses him. God uses him. Why? Look at Psalm chapter 1. It starts with verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This is kind of human nature. Now, my kids, you know, when, when they were in different school, when they first went to school, I noticed this, because, you know, when they're in your house as little ones, you know, they, they pick up what you say, which is sometimes good, sometimes not. Okay. Any parents in the room? Okay. 
And then, but then they go to school and then they start saying things. You go, I've never heard you say that before, but they pick up what they're around. Are you with me? It's kind of human nature. Can I just put it in those terms? When you're surrounded by bitter people and it infects your heart, that's what's going to come out of your own mouth. Watch the progression. They're walking. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of God. Then they stand, then they're sitting. They're in the very place of the scornful. Be careful what you allow to infect your own heart. Be careful what you allow. Maybe you need to do like Joseph and just get out of there. <laughs> Come on, church. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What should you fill your life with? You should fill your life with God. Fill your life with God's word. Because that'll begin to change you. And suddenly what comes out of your life and comes out of your mouth will be what God says instead of what people say. Instead of talking bad about people, you're going to be the most life-giving, uplifting per- person in your job. Instead of tearing other people down, because everybody who's insecure tears other people down that are. But you're, you're, see, listen, we have this, sometimes we feel for the believer. And here's why. It actually says that every evil thing exists in an environment of envy and jealousy. But here's, here's why. Because it's saying to God, you can be good for them, but not to me. And we can see other people, even this week, we can see other people healed, blessed, God encounter them, and they go, well, well, God's not good enough to do that in my life, or he won't do it in my life. And we become jealous of others, but here's what it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let's fill our life with God's word. Whatever delights you will be what directs you. So let your delight be in God. Here's, he shall be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings, its for, brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf shall not wither, and listen to this last part, whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. We just saw that with Joseph. Whatever he does shall prosper. Joseph's, you know, he's like put in charge of Potiphar's house. Everything he's doing is God's blessing it. Why? Because the person who's planted in God, despite their situation, stop letting your circumstance define you. Well, this is what they did, and this is how I was hurt, and this is what I did, and this is my past. And Jesus redeems. He sets captives free. And whatever he did, let's, go, let's continue with prisoners' work. This wasn't just any prison. Like, this wasn't the four seasons. There was no cable TV. This is where you put people to put them away. This is like the CIA black side of Egypt. Like, this is where the king's prisoners went. And so they put them in this prison, but the Lord, verse 21 for the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand. He just keeps getting put in charge of stuff. <laughs> Whatever they did, it was his doing. So they put him in charge of the prison. I want you to see this, verse 23. The keeper of the prison didn't even bother to look into what was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. Here's, here's Psalm 1 right here. And whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. He prospered in the prison He prospered in Potiphar's house. Whatever his field was for that season and that moment, he said, I'm going to be honoring God. I'm going to be faithful to God, and I'm going to give it 100%. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Whatever it looks like. And so the keeper of the prison didn't even look into this. God blessed him. But I want you to see this, because God doesn't leave us in those situations. Now, I, I forget the, how long he was here. I think it was at least a decade or more, 10 or 13 years. And, and I want you to see this because he's in this season for a long time. There's a long time, 10 or 13 years between when God gives him the dream and when he's going to get out of prison in a moment. 
We have the promise, we have the process, but we also have, number three, promotion. We have the promotion. But I want you to see, in that span of time, Joseph's a guy. Like, he's just, he's a, he's a guy who honors God, but there's probably a few moments where he thought, man, this does not look good. <laughs> this is taking too long. God, maybe it won't happen. Maybe, you know, he, he tries to figure it out, and, and he's discouraged. He probably feels forgotten. Because in large part, by people he is, but he was never forgotten by God. I want you to see Psalm 34. I know I've got a lot of Bible for you today, but I want you to catch this. Psalm 34. Here's what it says. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I think most of us would say we'd want that. Who likes life? Two people. Okay, the rest of us. That's a different sermon. <laughs> so, so here's some practical advice. Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking deceit. That's interesting. So what comes out of my mouth directs my life. Oh, that's a different sermon. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out, even in the prison house, even in the pit. Even in your situation, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of a couple of their troubles. Oh good, you're paying attention. He was Joseph. And save such as those who have a contrite or, or repentant spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now that's where religion stops, right there. Oh man, we want to talk about our afflictions. We're, we're never, we're never going to have small groups that just sit around and talk about afflictions. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, I don't see any life in that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Man, how are your afflictions today? They're bad. And we, we, we make an idol out of our pain. And he says, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Joseph, in the middle of that prison house, one day, and I'll just give you the short version of this, one day, word comes to Pharaoh of Joseph. How Joseph, God gives him interpretations of dreams. And in the midst of the prison house, he used his gift. He was faithful right where he was at. See, some people promote themselves, and that's why they're miserable. They open their own doors, and that's why they're miserable. I mean, I, I could spend hours talking about stories I've seen in 17 years of ministry. I'm sure anybody who's... But, but here's, here's the reality. Here's word that God opens doors we can't open. And God takes Joseph, and one day he hears word that Pharaoh's called his name. Watch, this, watch what happens. See, promotion is what happens when people recognize what God always saw. It's when God allows people to get a glimpse of what God saw all the way back in the beginning. And it's when his favor positions you to accomplish his will, his purpose. And so, see, Joseph's purpose was not just about being rescued. It was about being a rescuer. So let's look at this. Genesis 41, verse 14. We're almost done. I'm going to ask the worship team to get ready. Genesis, out of the dungeon, out of the prison. We had a, a, a woman Charlie prayed for last night who, uh, like, half the words of knowledge were for her. And she had said, what, 2005, I think? 2005 was when many of those issues had started, but God healed her. And it doesn't matter how long You've dealt with something. Joseph's been there for more than a decade, and he's there probably getting discouraged, probably feeling like he's forgotten, but God didn't forget, and one day he gets word, and he doesn't come out slowly. He comes out quickly. 
prison doors open, and they make him run. That's literally what it means to come out quickly. It means they made him run. It's time, Joseph. You got to hurry. The Pharaoh's calling you. The king's calling. And so he's running. He's getting ready. But the problem is he's still wearing the garments. He was stripped by the woman. He was stripped by his brothers. And now he's wearing the garments of prison. But this time, he's going to be given something brand new. He's taking off his prison garments. And he's changing. He's shaving his face. He's shaving the history. He probably hasn't had a good shave in a decade. But he's shaving off the pain and the hurt and the loss and the discouragement and the history because he can't take what happened there into the court of the king. He can't let what happened then keep him from where he's going now. And so he shaves his beard. He changes his garment. And now he's got royal robes. And he comes before the king. He comes before Pharaoh. The Bible says exaltation doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't come from the south. It doesn't come from your boss. It doesn't come from your coworkers or the people around you. It doesn't come from your neighbors or somebody else in church. It comes from God. To take your story and raise you out of your pit. And God makes happen his dream. But it looked different than he thought. The process looked very different than I'm sure Joseph would have signed up for. But God made the dream happen because God keeps his promises, as we sang today. He keeps his promise. So I want to encourage you, stay planted in his word. Don't be moved by what's going on around you. Be planted in God. Be rooted in his word, in his presence, in prayer, in worship. When you're praying for somebody and all hell's breaking loose, keep standing, keep praying, keep believing. God positions Joseph, and Joseph gets promoted, not in charge of the prison and not in charge of the house of Potiphar, but the entire kingdom of Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And he's just been put in charge. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big promotion. Like, you can't go any further distance. The lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And I think the Bible gives us these examples to let us know what can God do in our life? What can God do with our promise? I'm asking you to stand to your feet. Any of our prayer team, if you available, if you wouldn't mind coming. I want us to pray in just a moment, but Joseph is put in Pharaoh's court, not just to bless Joseph, and God, God's so good, he, re, he restores to us what life has taken, and he doesn't just give back, he gives so much more, but Joseph wasn't there for him, because one day a famine hits the world. And Joseph, through his wisdom, has made sure that Egypt has everything they need. And one day, his brothers, his ten older brothers, get word that there's food in Egypt. So their father sends them to Egypt. And who would they come in front of? Who would they come before but Joseph? But here's what I love about Joseph. Joseph's greatest thing to overcome wasn't the pit. It wasn't the prison. It was something else. 
his brothers, he had at that moment the power to do to his brothers what they had done to him. Probably much worse. But instead of taking things in his own hands, giving them what they deserved, he realized that God had promoted him for a reason. And he says to his brothers, after a, a process, after he reveals himself to his brothers, he forgives him. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, to save many people alive. I'm here to save lives. But you know, I think the greatest thing Joseph had to overcome was forgiving his brothers. He has two children in Egypt. The first is named Manasseh means forgetfulness and he names him that because he says God has caused me to forget my shame in all my father's house in other words I've forgiven them and I've released it and God's healed my heart so much that I no longer feel that pain I've forgiven them he didn't just shave his beard he let go of the pain he didn't just change his garment. He forgave and released the bitterness of the hurt. He never let it stay. He, gave, he forgave so that when the time came, he could be life-giving. Then his second son is Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. And he says, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Well, what can God do right in the middle of an adverse circumstance? Right in the middle of what's going on in our country. Right in the middle of the times we're standing. What and that standard didn't just look like River City Church and what God's doing in the churches of our community, but it looked like God doing something in your story. The story of a Joseph, the story of a man or a woman who's been redeemed, raised up, and used to make a difference in the lives of other people. I want to pray for two things. First, if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, favor comes from knowing Him. God sent His Son to die on the cross to take our place. Sin separated us from God. Jesus came to bridge that gap so we could be forgiven and set free. God didn't just say, I love you. He sent His Son. He showed it. And if you've been far from God, maybe you've never invited Jesus to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord of your life. Not did you go to church, not did your parents know Jesus, but you personally have never invited Jesus into your life. If that's you, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you have, but you've been far from God. And today, you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You need a fresh start, a new beginning. God's been doing it all week. He's doing something right here. And I believe that that begins in your life right now, saying yes to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer, but if that's you and you say, I need God in my life, I'm in a pit, and I need Jesus. We can't save ourselves. We can't raise ourselves out of our pit, but God's so willing and so good to lift us up through Jesus. If that's you and you don't, you want to rededicate or you want to invite Jesus to come in your life for the first time, simply raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Say, that's me. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.